Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Page up on the screen in a little time, which I'll try and speak into. Uh, if you want to probably just set the clock as well, Nate, uh, um, thank you. It means that you won't miss your, your lunch. And um, as David said, and uh, as he opened up last week, we're just running with this little theme for two or three weeks as we uh, come to summer, uh, toings and froings with holidays and all that sort of thing. We want to stay on track. We want to have, again, this thread of gathering um, right through the summer. We're not going to sleep. We're not lying in a hammock for a few weeks. We want to keep pressing on. And so we're talking with this theme of healthy homes, and your pastor opened up last week with some principles around what makes a home work. And today I've been asked to speak, and ladies, please don't feel pushed back on this. I want you to feel drawn in. I want you to understand something of the challenges of manhood at times, but also to feel part of the, the wider message. But I've been asked this morning to speak into the subject within that context of healthy homes, of men and if we could have the first bible verses up or the first title if that could go up uh, because the band the the headline i want to run with under uh, these verses is men of our times men of our times 21st century with all the challenges around us men of our times and here's the two verses interestingly i want to take us this morning to 1 corinthians 16 13 and 14 in the King James Version. Now, some of you may have, if you've been a believer a long time, grown up on the King James Version. You might still find yourself quoting it. The whosoevers and the withersoevers, etc. And it was a tremendous translation. 1611, King James, the king had been of Scotland and now of England, ordered, commanded that a new translation be written and it stood the test of time uh, and still does for four millennia, uh, four centuries rather. And uh, of course, more modern translations have come along, like the New International Version, the ESV, and others. Be careful with translations, because they're not all cracked up to be what they're intended to be. There's a modern translation around now that, uh, and I won't mention it, but has rightly caused some controversy because the danger is it's skewed to uh, project a particular thought of opinion. So uh, if you want any answers on translations, please talk to Nathan afterwards. He's an expert on it, and we've had numbers of... But we try and use uh, for Marine, and we don't uh, run down to a particular... But we try and use an authentic, uh, recognised translation for the preacher. I tend to use the New International Version when I'm ministering. But this morning, and we've got that there... I want to particularly use the old, I'm going to use the old-fashioned language. So it says this, it says, watch, this is Paul coming to the end of his first letter to the Corinthians. And in his letter writing, he'd often gather up some thoughts. It was like a sort of rat-a-tat approach as he just thought, I need to finish this. Dum, 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 dum. So he says this at the end, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Let all things be done with charity. Now, in a moment or two, I'll come back to that word quit. When we see it, when we use the word quit, it means giving up. But in the ancient language of 
16:11, it meant something very different. And I just feel that that verse sort of just captures really where we want to go this morning. And I'm speaking from the King James Bible as well. We had an old pastor in our church, Pastor Colin Whitaker, who in the latter years of his life with his wife, a former pastor, a writer, an editor, a great man. And we had the privilege in the last seven, eight years of his life of him being in Arena Ilkeston with his wife Hazel, now both with the Lord. And uh, this Bible was presented to Colin when he was the chairman of the Assemblies of God General Conference many years ago. And his family gave it to me, uh, and I cherish it. And this morning I'm preaching from it. So, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Let all things be done with charity. Here's the NIV. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. Men of our times. I want to talk to some principles today and then believe that the Holy Spirit will speak to you to continually help you to live out the principles in your life. When we talk about homes, I'm always nervous of saying, this is how we do it in our house, and this is how you ought to do it in your house. Because homes are very nuanced. They have different traditions. They have different ways of conducting themselves. They're very different. We have to recognize all that. But the principles of the Word of God work out in that. And then you can have your way of doing home, your way of doing family be different to us, but the principles hold us together. So, here's two or three things, firstly. The principles connect right across the age groups. So we have senior men in the church this morning. I'm one of them, I'm getting on. Um, we have men in their parenting age we have single men we have young men and the principles work through to everybody then we have to recognize that in homes in many homes there's not a man for all sorts of reasons that we don't have time to open up this morning we have mothers doing an incredible job raising family and they're in arena church and there's no pushback on that at all what we do want to encourage particularly with young lads and young men that are emerging into adulthood, is for them to have godly influences, manly influences, that will nurture their maturity. One of the great ways to do that is through the local church, which doesn't give us a sense of isolation, but brings us to community. I don't know whether any of you read the report, just though in the weekend press, about the devastation to kids during the pandemic and now the whirlwind that the teachers and schools are reaping uh, particularly in primary and junior schools where kids had no connection with contemporaries and even with other adults for many many months there's huge challenges out there church brings us to a sense of community it brings us to a sense of belonging we've always encouraged in healthy homes parents to bring their little ones their newborn little ones to the house of God as soon as possible and they get used to being around people they get used to music they get used to 
others within their lives. And it brings an influence for good. We know, again, through banner headlines in the media, that in certain contexts, occasionally it's gone wrong. But I'm speaking in the general sense of the word, it's good. And then, of course, we recognize that manliness, you might recognize it, you might not, but as a, it, it's, it's true. Manliness is under attack. And it's expressed in all sorts of ways in our modern world to try and take away the call to be what Paul speaks to the Corinthian church about. Quit you like men. Be strong. We recognize also, and as David was praying and leading us in that prophetic response to allowing God to continue to shape us, that men, because of sin, have messed up. If we could have the next slide, Elliot. Let me just talk about three areas where men, next one, yeah, where men have messed up. Men have messed up in relating. And we have men around that are in and out of relationships with little thought and leaving a trail of disaster behind them. It's because of sin. It's because of doing not what God wants them to do. Men have messed up in responsibilities. Fathering brings responsibility as well as a privilege. And men have messed up in their requirements. You may remember three, four years ago, there was a, and we know it was fueled in some senses by people being opportunistic, but the reality was a Me Too movement, a feminist Me Too movement, went across the world like a whirlwind. It was in response to men behaving in wholly inappropriate ways and not facing up to their requirements. It was expressed in all sorts of horrible ways. And a voice was given to those that had been on the wrong end of it. So we recognize that. I'm a man. I, I take responsibility today. Men are sinful. Men at times fail. Men fall short. Men have messed up. And we need the help of Jesus in our lives as we heard this morning, I hope you heard it, not to continue in repetitive cycles that means we keep messing up. This is the gospel. The gospel comes to change us. And not only to change us, but to keep changing us. So we come to Jesus just as we are, but he loves us far too much to just leave us as we are. Here we've got it. The word for the year. Follow. If you follow Jesus with all of your heart, he will inevitably keep changing you. He still speaks to me. He still convicts me by his spirit. He still challenges me. He still talks to my attitudes. He's still wanting me to be all that he's called me to be. And I've been a Christian a long time. So that I don't keep repeating things, but I become redemptive. I become changed by what he wants me to do. But we face that. But we also face the fact that in a modern 21st century world, we have many challenges to manhood. I'm going to mention three. Number one, procreation. Don't worry, I'm not going to go somewhere inappropriately. But the reality is we live in a world where, where people want to pre procreate by bypassing the natural way of doing it. 
because they don't want a man in their life. And then there's purpose. Purpose. Purpose is the reason for something or someone. One of the great battles of our day for men is contending for the truth of what it means to be a man. And the word of God will help you in this to be what you are called to be. And then position. Position. And men at times feel that their position is being eroded. There's a lack of honour of manhood in society. And so we could go on. Guys, if it feels like a battle at times, it's because it is. It's a spiritual battle to continually undermine the calling to manliness within the scriptures. And this has an incredible impact emotionally, psychologically, relationally and spiritually on a lot of men. A lot of men say, what am I doing? What's it about? Where am I going? What's my purpose? What's my identity? I don't think I matter. And it goes on and on. You've only got to open up, guys. And when they're in a crowd of 12 or 15 and having a night out and there's lots of bevies flowing, they're not going to talk to you like that then because it's sort of a tribal thing and aren't we just great? But get them on their own. Get them talking in the work environment. Get them speaking over the garden fence. There's a lot of challenges in this area. And we need to help them. We need to help them with the principles of the word of the Lord. Now that all said, I just want to bring the second part of the message to a close by giving you four principles of men of our times that will inevitably contribute to healthy homes that come directly from the verses that I've read this morning. So number one, if we can go there, uh, Elliot, watch ye alertness, alertness. We need to be alert. Just recently we enjoyed the Queen's Platinum and we saw a lot of soldiers marching up and down and it was all very grand and we enjoyed the response to our amazing Queen Elizabeth II in her 70 years uh, on the throne. Quite extraordinary and of course as many of you know fueled by a deep following of Jesus Christ without any contradiction whatsoever. That's not just stage speak. That's the reality of our Queen's experience and we thank God for it. But of course there were people that were also alert. And uh, those of you that have perhaps been to um, the, the changing of the guard at Buckingham Palace will understand that uh, this is done on a, this is done, it, it, it has a ceremonial side to it but also it has a security side to it. They are changing the guard, the guard of the palace. And we know occasionally people try and get through. Um, and you'll have people on sentry duty, and you've taken the photo, you know, they, they stood there with their rifle. They're on, I don't know where you can remember, three or four years ago, that there was a hot, very hot day, and one of the sentry guards, he just went forward, he, he got heat stroke, and he just collapsed. What happened was they, they took him away. They, they didn't just look at each other and think, oh, well, it don't matter, he's gone. They put somebody else there. There was an alertness to God. And we need men to be on sentry duty. We need to be on sentry duty for our homes. So that we don't just allow anything to invade our homes, but we're on 
God, we're alert. And if you'll just go for a moment to one or two verses that are just prior to our main text. He says in 1 Corinthians 10, Therefore, let him that thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. There is no temptation taken you by such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able to bear, but with the temptation will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Here's a general point for any Christian. Why do we give in to temptation? It's very, very simple. Because we don't want to take the escape route. It's a, it's the, because every time temptation comes to our life, there's always a way of escape. If you're watching something on the telly that you know is not doing your internal world any good, what's the escape route? Turn it off. It's as simple as that. But sometimes we enjoy the sin too much. And so in our carnality, we want to carry on doing it. And then the following day, we feel bad and we've got to work all that through with God. But there's an escape route. So three things from there. There's got to be a heeding. There's got to be an attentiveness. There's got to be an overcoming. I've had Christians say to me, well, you don't understand. What came to me has never come to anybody else. That is not true. The Bible says that the temptation that comes to you is common to man. And I am a real man, living in a real world with all sorts of things knocking about and stuff coming on social media and places I could go. It's not particular to me. I can't say to God, God, you weren't there. That temptation that come to me, it's not come to David, it's not come to Nathan, it's not come to Bernie. It just came to me, he had it in for me. No, it's common to man. It's common to man. And so you have to deal with it. You have to deal with it. And so there's an overcoming. Now we all, in the frailty of our humanity, give in to temptation. But not all the time, guys. Let's have some overcomers. Let's have some people that prevail. Let's have some people that run for the escape hatch. And overcome. And then there's an understanding. The understanding that these challenges... Although they can come to us at different times and in different ways, are actually uniform across the earth. Be alert. Be on guard. Watch ye. Number two, stand fast in the faith. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. And there's three areas in a moment or two that I want to talk about in terms of being faithful. And there are many. <clears throat> Here's where we need to be faithful because. There are many things that are trying to blow across our life to change our attitudes, our opinions, our principles. And they come through trends, through media, through loud voices, etc., etc. And they want to shift us from faithfulness to faithlessness. Not building our life upon a rock but building it upon shifting sands. In 1 Corinthians 4 and 17, Paul says, I am sending Timothy to you, faithful in the Lord. Paul was sending another member of the apostolic team to a church because he believed in his faithfulness. Now, here's three things. Number one, faithful in the things that are small. Faithful in the things that are small. 
Luke 16, 10 says that if we'll be faithful in the little, God will give us the much. And I've come in this morning, and the only time you're going to look round at Elliot is if something goes wrong, you know. But there he is with Roy, faithful on the back to help with the ministry, to help Nathan, to help David, to help us with the notices. It may seem a small thing, but we need somebody to be faithful. I'm coming up the path this morning and I'm greeted by Stephen. It may seem a small thing, but somebody has got here early, has taken the time to be ready and says, great to see you, Phil, great to see you, Sharon. It may seem a small thing, but we need people to be faithful. And here's where it goes wrong in church at times. People try and navigate the small because they want to get in express time to the big. And they think the big's standing on a stage. Let me tell you, if you get on the stage for the wrong motive, it will never fulfill what you think it's going to give to you. Never. It's like, I want to be a big pastor in a church. I want, uh, uh, I want to status. You talk to people that have chased celebrity status. When they get there, it's never, it doesn't give them what they want. That's why so many of them get skewed and knocked out of shape. So this morning, the faithfulness to minister the word is no better than the faithfulness to be at the back to help us with the media. It's just a different aspect of serving. And if you don't navigate your heart in the small, you're always going to find yourself frustrated in terms of getting to where God wants you to go. But if you commit to God, it's amazing how God builds your gift builds your influence, builds what's doing, and God begins to open up doors to you that influence and bless and expand your gifts. Small things. And then faithful in serving. In serving. Let me read this story to you. Norman Geisler is an American Christian author, and he grew up in the United States of America and he went to Sunday school every day uh, sorry, every week and you know in America they love the big bus they, they bus the kids into school with those great big yellow buses and uh, that idea has been taken on by many churches they bus kids into Sunday school and here's what Norman Geisler says in one of his books as he talks about faithfulness in serving he says I went to Sunday school for eight years. I was picked up by the same bus at the same time every week. And believe it or not, it was, it was driven by the same guy every week. He calculated, of course, that that meant that he went to Sunday school over 400 times. During the final year of that journey, so he'd gone seven He's into his eighth year of going to Sunday school. As I was in high school, so it looks as though he was about 10 or 11 when he started going. He's now 17, 18. If you're going to Sunday school, you've been picked up by the same guy every week. Nothing happening. During the final year, I became a Christian. And here's the question that Norman Geisler presents. What if the bus driver had given up on me? What if the bus driver had stopped being faithful and driving the bus every week? 
What if the bus driver had said to himself, I'm not driving this bus anymore. This kid's a waste of time and he's going nowhere. But he didn't. And my whole life changed forever. The story of Norman Geisler could be repeated across the earth time and time again. It may be a youth leader, a kids club leader, a boys brigade leader, a Sunday school teacher, somebody driving a bus, somebody driving a minibus, some pastor pitching up. And sometimes you think, that bloke's a complete waste of time. Until one day, Jesus Christ changes them forever, forever. Serving by being faithful. And then serving in the things of the everyday. Perhaps we could just, yeah, the everyday. Sustaining our servanthood. Somebody says, let's be exceptional in the ordinary things. In our house, we have a fairly traditional uh, uh, way of doing things. So I put the bins out and I cut the grass. I did yesterday. And I make sure the oil in the cars, okay. Sharon does a lot of some other things that I'm not very good at. But I do those things. Am I thinking, ah, come on, I'm cutting the grass this afternoon. So there's lots of ordinary things that make life work. But let's be exceptional in them. Let's be exceptional. No good me saying I'm a pastor to my neighbour if the grass is nine feet high. Because all they're saying is, why don't you cut the lawn? All right, talking about your Jesus, why don't you just cut the lawn, guys? So, exceptional in the, the sustainable things of life that make life work. So, stand fast in the face. As someone says, faithfulness is the cornerstone of God's reckoning. It really is. And in this church at this moment, there's a challenge on because it may be, one of, let's be faithful. I said to the men this morning, let's be faithful. He might be saying, this is a waste of time. That person said they were coming. That person said they were going to be part of this church. Where have they been? But if we'll be faithful, we'll be faithful, we'll be faithful. God will do what he will do. And he'll change people for his glory. Briefly, thirdly. Quit, you like men, be strong. We're speaking about steadfastness. The archaic use of this word quit is not what we think it is. In fact, it's the very opposite of giving up. It means, as the New International Version indicated at the beginning of the message, to be courageous and strong, constant, reliable, immovable, not a call to weakness, but maturity. <clears throat> it's the brave, narrow way. It's the kingdom journey. It's following Jesus Christ when nobody else in your work world is. And that takes steadfastness. And ultimately, there will be a fruit from such living. Here's the verse. It's right at the end of Corinthians 15. Be firm in the service of the Lord, knowing and being continually aware that your labor in the Lord, whatever context that might be, is not futile, but never wasted or of 
no purpose. One translation says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because you'll know that your labor in the Lord is never in vain. If you are a pastor, let me just talk about a pastor for a moment. It's inevitable that you go home on a Sunday. And for many years in the context we found ourselves, we, we did two services. Go home on a Sunday night, I'd kick my shoes off. I'd get ready to perhaps have something to eat. And I think internally to myself, that was a complete waste of time. I got a message ready. I was expecting everybody to come to the front and respond. Guess what? Nobody did. But when we'll be steadfast in the Lord, when we'll quit you like men, be strong and be courageous and brave, nothing we do, nothing we do, push back on the accuser of, the, of, of your soul. Nothing you do is ever futile or a waste of time. It may be that you've got a son or a daughter at the moment, or a grandson or a granddaughter, and you're wondering what on earth is going off in their world. And you've spoke with them, and you've shared with them, and you've been an example to them. And you've said to yourself, it's been a waste of time. It isn't. It isn't. It isn't. God is doing far more in them through the influence of you than you could ever, ever imagine. Stay steadfast. And fourthly, let all things be done with charity. I have no idea why the authorized version replaced the word love with charity, but it did. And when we think of charity now, we think of the arena charity, for example. We think of the brilliant expressions of charitable work through food bank and, uh, and uh, other things that are taking place. Hundreds of people every week helped through the charitable expressions of arena. And if I can say that, we're one tiny part of what God is doing in our nation. Tomorrow, as people are continually bowed down by a cost of living crisis, there will be tens of thousands of people from the north to the south and the east to the west of our nation that will find a local church. Maybe they've got a community centre tagged on or a building like ours just down the road at Ilkeston or what they've built at Mansfield, whatever it is. But tens of thousands of people ministered to help practically receiving a cheery word that blesses them an expression of charity, works and deeds in action. But the word for charity in the Bible should be more accurately love. Love. And in the modern translations it is. And you'll know that in the New Testament there's four words for the word love. We can only find one word for it in our English language. There's eros, speaking about the intimate relationship between a man and a woman. There's storge, that speaks about the love within a family. There's philio, which speaks about special friendship. Philadelphia, the city of friendship, it's where he comes from. And there's agape, a love that rests in the will. A commitment to say, yes, I have decided to follow Jesus. And there's no turning back. That is what God wants to do, friends, in our lives. And you might say, oh, it sounds a bit, we used to use it, it sounds a bit pansy. You know, I want to tell you that the call to be a Christian is for men, real men. Let me read these verses to you from what we call the love chapter. Love is patient and kind. 
It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. It doesn't delight in evil but truth. It always protects. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. That love call is for men. And can we find some men in our day that will love like that? They'll love like that in their home. They'll love like that in the context that God has placed them because it will inevitably bless others. So may the Lord help us, friends, as we continue to plot this journey of healthy homes. Ladies, I hope that you've not felt pushed aside this morning, but we've just tried to draw in again to the 21st century challenge of godly.